Welcome to the Kerwin Baptist Church broadcast today. Our desire is for the Word of God to be spread throughout the world so that all may know Christ. Join us now for a portion of one of our services here at Kerwin Baptist Church, located in Kernersville, North Carolina. Hebrews chapter 4 this morning. Let's just read these verses. I'm going to jump right into it. Look at verse 12. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let me remind you, that's an unbelievable statement right there. To think that in every area, and there might be areas in my life that I've never been tempted in that some of you have. And some of you have areas in your life that you've been tempted in that maybe I haven't. Whatever the case might be, but here's what's interesting. Jesus was tempted in every point that any of us have ever been tempted, yet without sin. Man. Now notice this last verse, verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Four things I want to look at in this passage real quickly. And let me remind you that in the Old Testament we had the law of God. In the New Testament, we have the Word of God. Why is that? After Jesus came, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And Jesus is the Word of God. Uh, this is literally alive, and we're going to talk about that. And so uh, we got to get right back to the basics. So what is it that we do have? And number one, we have the Word of God. Let's begin there in our little mini journey today. Lord, we love you. Thank you for all that you've done. Uh, Lord, in the middle of maybe what we don't have or can't do, maybe be reminded of what we do have and what we can do. And Lord, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for keeping us together even when we can't be together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Word of God. Now, in Hebrews, we, literally, and I believe Paul wrote it. We don't know that for sure. But the author of Hebrews takes us from chapter 1, and there's this constant comparison to the law... And literally to Christ and how this is what happened and this is what was needed. And yet he is our high priest and, and, and you know, goes all through the book of Hebrews. We all understand all that doctrine. So in, in chapter 4 here, he begins with that. But in verse 12, he establishes, okay, this is what we have now. Look at verse 12, for the word of God. So the first thing we're going to look at today is the word of God. Now, we're not going to skip to it for screen purposes, but I want to let you know right now the four things we're going to talk about briefly. The word of God, the eyes of God, the son of God, and the throne of God. This passage gives all four things. And, and, and to me, this really helped me. I hope it helps you. First, look and, and just quick review. Look at the Word of God. For the Word of God, number one, he says it is quick. That means alive. So the Word of God is not dead. It's alive. It's not a book. It's a person. It's not a book. It's a person. It's alive. It's not just binding in paper. It's, it's got Holy Spirit power from on high. So the Word of God is quick and 
powerful. That means this, that it, that it is mighty. It means that God's word can do what you can't. God's word can do what I can't. Listen, um, we, if anything we have found in these past weeks, that when we're limited as far as what we can do, the word of God takes over. We are reminded that the word of God can do this with or without us. But the word of God is not just alive, it is powerful. Notice thirdly, and I'm doing this briefly because this is a review, it's sharp. That means the word of God can cut through things that you and I can't. It can get to places that we cannot get to. And the Bible literally says this, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Now, I have met people that if I came to them and I just tried to talk sense into them, and I just tried to give, especially young people, and I tried to give advice, and normally they look at you like they, they couldn't give a flip what you have to say to them right now. Don't look at me like that. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. And, and, and you know people you've met like that, that you come and say, listen, I'm going to give you advice. Let me tell you this is what you need to do. And, and I've seen this, done this. And they act exactly like you and I acted when we were teenagers. But I have watched the Word of God get into places that I couldn't go. I've watched a verse given that might not have penetrated them at that point, but I've watched it get to them later. And may I say, I am a walking, living example of a mom that gave the word of God that I didn't receive it well at first, but it just churned on me. And I would keep thinking, not really of what she said, but of a verse that she gave. And I encourage you moms and dads, give verses, notes and cards, whatever they do with your young people. And when you're sitting around, you know, give principles from God's word because that's what sticks. Notice this, it's discerning. For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Notice that, discerning, which means it's discerning of our mind and it's discerning of our heart. It's discerning of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the word of God discerns what I'm thinking and it discerns what I'm feeling, even though I can't discern that in myself. Anybody here want to agree with me that oftentimes we have no, we, we can't trust our own opinion of ourselves. I'll look at myself and I'll think, hey, I'm doing great in this area. And then I talk to my wife. <laughs> and I find out I'm not doing so great in this area. I'm like, hey, man, marriage is going great so far. My wife's happy. She's fulfilled. She just couldn't imagine a better life than she has right now. And then you find out, it's like, oh, I've been, you know, been lonely lately. Haven't, haven't spent a lot of time. Haven't noticed me. Haven't, this, haven't said this. Haven't whatever. You know, a lot of times you and I see ourselves through very covered eyelenses, but the Word of God discerns not just what we're thinking, but what we're feeling. The Word of God. That was review. But notice secondly here, look at verse 13. He says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Now, I will admit to you in this entire passage, this verse is what grabbed me. And I said, this is what I'm going to preach on. The Lord led in that. And I developed other things around it. But this phrase that all things are opened and naked. They're naked and opened before the eyes of the Lord. Notice the second thing right there in verse 13. The eyes of 
of him, the eyes of the Lord. So we've seen the word of God, but second, I want you to see the eyes of God. May I say this, that you can't hide anything from God. All things are manifest. Everything is naked and opened before God. He sees everything. Just think about that. What does it mean, the eyes of God? Preacher, what do you see in this? Well, notice the first word it uses is the word manifest. It says this, that literally there is no creature. That means you, me, anybody. There is no creature that is not manifest in his sight. This word manifest means to shine a light on. It means to illuminate. It means to expose. It means this, that in the eyes of God, none of us have been able to hide anything. You see, the Word of God leads us to the eyes of God. What do you mean, preacher? The Word of God teaches me and explains to me that God can see everything. I wouldn't know that without the Word of God. You see, the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Why is that? Because the Word of God is God. It's alive. Which means whatever the Word of God exposes in my life, that means God sees that. So the Word of God leads me to the eyes of God. And here's what the Bible says about it. All things are manifest. Everything, God has shined a light on all of us. Hey, God knows where your heart is right now. Or He knows where your heart isn't. Right now. Wives, it's kind of like talking to your husbands when the TV's on and he's in the recliner. Wives, you can, you can say amen right there. All things are manifest. You know what you can tell usually? His heart's not in what I'm saying right now. <laughs> I know with sports being gone, some of you women have gotten a lot more talk time probably, haven't you? There's not a whole lot to watch on Sunday afternoons with sports not being on. It means this, that God knows it's literally God's word shines a light on us and God sees everything. It means this, it means manifest means to display, to display. God puts our lives on display. He sees it all. Notice secondly, he says all things are naked and opened. Why did he say it this way? What are these words? Uh, even if you go to the Greek, what it, why, he, he doesn't always just repeat himself for no reason. Even though two words sound like they're saying the same thing, there's always a little bit of difference there. This word naked, it literally means to x-ray. It means to dissect. It means to be able to look through covering. It's the same idea how God saw Adam... In the Garden of Eden, the Bible says that Adam was naked before God. It means that before man hid himself, before man sinned, and before Adam began to hide in the trees, and all of a sudden had a conscience and realized there was sin, and had to get covering and, and greenery and leaves to cover himself, God sees us like he saw Adam before that ever transpired. 
It's like literally sin in our life has covered our eyes on things. And, and, and sin has basically covered us and hidden us from people. They don't know the real us. And they don't know everything in our heart and mind. But God sees us like he saw Adam in the garden before sin ever happened. Totally naked. God sees right through all the facade we put on. He sees through the act. He sees through the fake. He sees through the show. Everything's on display, but this word naked means to dissect. It's to display and then to dissect. It gets right down like an x-ray can look through the flesh and gets right to where the issues are. That's what the eyes of God does. God sees you today. He sees me. Does that scare anybody else? Notice third thing here. He says, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. This word opened, it means unguarded. And I was surprised about this. I thought, well, my life's just an open book. No, it means it's talking about literally in war terms how an army was left unguarded, how a wall would fall or how a barricade would be broken. And now a person is completely vulnerable. Their weak spot is open. There's nothing guarding it. It's like going into battle without armor. It means left with no defenses. It means that literally with the eyes of God, you and I are left with no defenses. We've got no arguments. We can't go to God, well, God, I know I did this, but, but listen, here's really, I, I, I had this, and, 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 and this person did this to me, and this, and no, 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 listen. When, when it comes to the eyes of God, he sees us. There is no defense now. It means this, that literally God has to have dominion. It means that we are at his mercy. God can do anything he wants with us. Do you realize that? Hey, listen, just a reminder in these past weeks, this reminds us we are not as in control as we think we are. God can disrupt an entire world like that if he wishes to. You and I are unguarded before God. Oh, we got our guards up and our defenses up with people and relationships and everything else. But the eyes of God literally manifest. It illuminates. And then it dissects. It gets past all the coverings. And then literally it gets you to the point you got nothing left to guard. You got no defenses. You're completely open and vulnerable before God. And normally that's where God has to get us where he can start doing something in our lives. It's like a doctor can't fix anything Till he knows what's going on. That's what God's word. And that's what God's eyes do. It's past all the stuff that you and I can't see. We can't get to. We can't get beyond that. But God's word pierces to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. We have the word of God. We have the eyes of God. You're like, well, I don't know if this is really that encouraging or not, preacher. Oh, yes, it is. This is what ought to be encouraging. God sees past everything that you have set up to hide from people, and he still loves you. He still died for you. I want you to notice the third thing here. Look at verse 14. 
seeing then. All right, because the word of God does this in my life and because the eyes of God sees this in my life, notice verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, here we go, the son of God, the word of God, the eyes of him, the eyes of God, and now we see the son of God, let us hold fast our profession. What does that mean? Look at me. Oh, this is, this. I'm, I'm getting excited. I know you're not. But I, I hadn't been used in a while. Ben's up there on a wheel running, you know, trying to get the air going. Y'all think Ben's back there. No, he's the one up there. We save money on this air conditioning unit, but it does take a person riding it during the kind of Get this. The word of God opens my life. The eyes of God exposes who I am. Are y'all with me so far this morning? And that leaves me in a bad position. Because the word of God shows me my sin. The eyes of God exposes my heart. And I've got no, nothing to, I'm lost. What can I do then if I'm this? Now comes the Son of God. You see, if there was just the word of God and the eyes of God, I would be left with no hope. But now comes the Son of God. Boy, I'm getting excited about this. That's why in verse 14 it says, Seeing then that we have. Notice the Son of God. First, we see him as a priest. We see him as priest. It says we have a great high priest. Now, I want you to notice two things. Number one, I want you to see that he's high. Jesus, our priest, he is high. What does this word mean? It means chief priest. That's what this term high priest means. It means chief priest. You know what that means? There's no one above him. So, although the word of God shows how low I am, And the eyes of God sees how sinful my heart and mind and life is. There is nobody above Jesus. So I now, because of the word of God and the eyes of God, I see that I have need of a high priest. I cannot get to God. I cannot enter into the Holy of Holies. I have no access to God because the Word of God has exposed the sin in my life. And the eyes of God sees me for what I am. And I'm a sinner. I've got no hope. But the Son of God is my priest. He he comes in in my stead. And there is no one above him. He's a high priest. Can I tell you, secondly, he's a great high priest. Now, this word great, guess what this Greek word is? Megos. It's where we use our term mega. Large. We use that term mega for something big. It means this, there's nobody higher than him. And there's nobody bigger. 
The Word of God shows me what sin is. The eyes of God shows me how big my sin is. But the Son of God is bigger than my sin. He is my mega chief priest. And if he is in my stead and he pays my penalty and he dies for me and he saves me, there's nobody above him that can stop it and there's nobody bigger than him that can stop him. So do you understand now why the word of God and the eyes of God show me my need of the son of God? I have a great high priest. We see him as priest. Notice, secondly, we see him as past. He says we have a great high priest who has passed into the heavens. It means this, that this son of God that has become my chief priest, my great high priest, is now past into the heavens. You say, okay, did you hear me? He is passed into the heavens. Okay, preacher, did you hear me? You know what that means? He didn't stay here. That means he rose again. You see, a great high priest that dies for your sins but stays in the ground doesn't do anything for you. But because he passed into the heavens, that means he rose from the dead. He is now passed into the heavens. What else does that mean for me? It means that if he's now there, when he was my high priest here, that means he's my high priest there. That means he's alive. He, he survived. He rose again, which gives me hope because if he defeated death and he's passed into the heavens, that means I can defeat death, and I'm going to heaven. It also means he's doing something for me up there. What's he doing? Oh, he's preparing me a place. But can I tell you what else he's doing? He is right there at the right hand of the Father, intercessory, intercessing for us. Wow. Listen, because he's passed... He's by the Father because he's my high priest. He's intercessing for me. (laughs) I don't think you can get it at 8 whatever in the morning. Listen to this. We see him as priest. We see him as past. Notice thirdly, we see him as the object of our profession. Because of this, seeing that we have this kind of hold fast to your profession. That means this. You've got to remember people are not the object of your profession. You see, the Word of God exposes people. The Word of God exposes you. So remember, people are not the object of our profession. Because if we were, then we might as well stop it now. It reminds me that I am not the object of my profession. Your profession does not exist because of your performance. you got to remember that we got to hold fast to our profession because Jesus, our high priest... The Son of God is the object of our profession. That means that circumstances should not change my profession. That means my failure should not change my profession. When I mess up, when I backslide, when I get in a funk, that doesn't change Jesus. 
when I quit going to God's house, that doesn't change Jesus. When circumstances change, my profession is not based on circumstances. It's not based on people. And it's not based on myself. We have to hold fast to our profession, which is the Son of God. Everybody got that so far. But notice this last thing about the Son of God. We see him as personal. We see him as priest. We see him as past. We see him as the object of our profession. But notice this fourthly. We see him as personal. Look at verse 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Man, personal. It means this, that he knows what you're going through. What you're feeling, he was touched with that same feeling. What you're being tempted with, or even the temptation that you have fallen to, he was tempted with that. He's been there. He understands. Now, he did it without sin. But he remembers that we are as dust, the Bible says. And he is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He's not just my high priest. He's not just priest. He's personal. He feels what you feel. Wow. Which brings me last to the throne of God. We're almost done. Now, I don't know if you can see how this scripture has come alive to me. And maybe it hadn't come alive to you yet. But I've been chewing on it for a few days. But look at me. I want you to get this. It all starts with the word of God. Do you know that creation even started with the word of God? It all starts with the word of God. And the word of God lets me, allows me to understand what the eyes of God can do. I can't hide from God. Just like the word of God exposes my sin to me, the eyes of God exposes me to God. And that left me with no hope. And that brought me to the Son of God. Now because of the Son of God being my great high priest, what does this mean to me now? What the word of God and the eyes of God showed me I did not have access to. When the son of God saved me. Now I can approach where I could not go before. And that's the throne of God. So the word of God led me to the eyes of God. Which led me to the son of God. And the son of God Brings me right back to the throne. I couldn't get there before. This Bible shows me why I couldn't get there. The eyes of God show me that he sees who I am. I can't hide it from him. I had no hope. I couldn't get to the throne. So Jesus came to me. And now because of that, he takes me right back to the place that I couldn't go. That's why he says here in verse 16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Just listen to me quickly and I'm done. Listen to this. Notice three things first. It's a throne of grace. 
It's a throne of grace. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of what, church? Grace. It means when I go to his throne now, look at me. Before the Son of God, if I got to his throne, it would have only brought judgment. But now that the Son of God, I've believed and put my faith and trust in Jesus, I now find grace. And grace will always be greater than my sin. It's a throne of grace. Just that phrase should melt us as Christians. That the throne of God shows grace to us. Notice, secondly, it's a throne of mercy. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we might obtain what? Mercy. So there, I don't just find grace at the throne of God, I find mercy. Grace is obviously God giving me what I do not deserve, and that's access to the throne itself. But now that I get to the throne, mercy is God does not put on me the punishment that I deserved. It's a throne of grace. It's a throne of mercy. Look at me. What this tells me so far is why would I not want to go to that throne? And yet you and I as God's children go days without going and approaching the throne. It's a wonderful place for us. Thank you for listening today. We hope you received a blessing from our broadcast. The Kirtland Baptist Church is located at 4520 Old Hollow Road in Kernersville, North Carolina. You may also contact us by phone at 336-993-5192 or via the web at kerwinbaptistchurch.com. Enjoy our services live and all our media on our website and church app. Thank you for listening to the Kerwin broadcast today. God bless you.